What's going on, everyone? Uh, this is Mike, uh, and welcome to Why So Serious Podcast. Uh, this is going to be a very special first episode of a new series that Why So Serious is launching called The Avengers of Justice, and it is a shared universe story written by yours truly. Uh, some background about this. Over the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, I got really bored. I was trying to look for some things to do, keep myself entertained, back in the nerd world. Um, and I started experimenting with some creative writing. Uh, that project kind of turned into, uh, I ended up having some goal to make one big, giant, coherent story with pretty much all the characters that I know and love operating together in one big world. <laughs> so, tough, tough order, I know, but... Uh, I think that I did a pretty good job of making it all make sense. Uh, I pitched it to Brandon, and he liked it, so I'm gonna tell that story to you over however many episodes. I haven't really decided how many episodes it is gonna be yet. I have it all written down. I haven't decided how I'm gonna split it up. So, um, if this is your thing, sit back, relax, and we'll get right into it. Um, some, before, uh, a little bit of background on the... The history of this new world that I'm creating itself. The major players in this story are going to be characters from Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. I have a lot of other pop culture franchises and references included. There's going to be characters from other worlds coming in. They'll have recurring roles. They might just be referenced. Some references might be harder than others to pick up on, depending on what you're into. But for all intents and purposes, the three big players in this story are going to be from Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. Star Wars. The state of the world, when the story picks up, is pretty much no one is really aware of superheroes. Um, it takes place right before Fury's big week. Um, this story opens up like literally days before Fury's big week. Um, and speaking of Fury's big week, that was an event in the MCU where uh, Tony Stark realized he was dying. Thor landed in New Mexico. Hulk and Abomination trashed Harlem. Black Widow followed her there. That was Fury's big week. Uh, the story is going to loosely follow the timeline of the MCU. I'm going to retell the entire, pretty much the entire MCU with new characters and new events happening scattered throughout. So, um, a lot of the things I say are going to be uh, based on events that have already happened in the MCU. I'll make it clear which ones. Uh, and yeah, so honestly, just... I know that kind of probably didn't make too much sense, but let me just shut up and stop rambling and get into the story itself. Um, so here we go. Welcome to Earth Prime, the center of the multiverse. Before we get in on Earth, let's pull ourselves back and go to a galaxy far, far away. Exegol. The lost world of the Sith. Home to the now almost dead Emperor Palpatine. It has been nearly 30 years since the downfall of the Empire at the hands of Luke Skywalker and his friends Leia, Han, and Chewie. A new threat has emerged, labeled the First Order, and led by Supreme Leader Snoke. Emperor Palpatine is alive, but just barely on Exegol. He's got a whole staff of medical troopers making sure he can stay alive. He's on his last few legs. Palpatine created Snoke as one of his puppets. He controls him through his disciples and his allies. Uh, and basically Snoke is doing what Palpatine would be doing if he was at full health. Uh, while the Emperor attempts to recover. 
Nearing the end of his life, Sheev, Palpatine, makes one final plan in an effort to postpone his judgment just a little bit further. Uncovering ancient Sith texts one of his disciples gave him, dating back to the Old Republic, uh, they speak of a primitive planet with the power to heal wounds and even in some cases resurrect the dead. This planet, however, has been lost and no one has ever discovered it. At this time in the story, Snoke has just been killed by Kylo Ren, who is now on the way to Exegol right now to try and do the same thing to Emperor Palpatine. This is all part of Palpatine's plan, of course. Uh, you can assume, by the way, that all the events from the prequels and the original trilogy happen, and all of the events from uh, the new trilogy, uh, 7 and, and 8 happen. This story picks up pretty much where 9 would be starting. So Ren is on the way to kill Palpatine. Palpatine's prepared, he expects him to. Ren shows up. Uh, Ren wants to kill Palpatine, but Palpatine, obviously, you being an expert of manipulation and the dark side of the Force, promises Ren that he can have an entire empire all to himself. He can be the next great emperor after Palpatine is gone. All he has to do is do one job for Palpatine. Ren hesitantly agrees to this. Obviously, he uh, is only thinking for himself. He wants to get all the power for himself, and he figures, oh, I can dispose of this old man when I get, you know, when he, after he gives me the power. Better to kill him later. If I kill him now, then I'm gonna have to take on all of his forces. This way, you know, I'll do what he wants, whatever it could be. I'll get untold powers and, and riches from the Emperor. Get rid of him and be on my way. So he accepts Palpatine's proposal and asks what the job is. Uh, <laughs> this is where things turn bad for Ren, though. Uh, Ren agrees. And Palpatine, Palpatine is hesitant to take a new apprentice after what happened to Vader the last time. He can sense that there's some good left in Kylo Ren. A little bit, but some. Palpatine has his loyalists capture and torture him until that light is snuffed out. This is a tactic that used to be very popular in the prime of Empire rule. It's how the Inquisitors were treated. Uh, the torture lasted many weeks, and upon completion, Ren was ready to serve without question. He did this so that he could ensure that there would be no light side interference. He did not want anyone getting in the way of his latest plan. Ren is now the epitome of pure evil. He's a being of rage and aggression uh, and totally obedient to Palpatine. What was once there, all of his previous plans and desires, no. He's a being of pure rage, only is interested in serving his new master um, due to his, you know, experience with being tortured by the dark side of the Force. Palpatine tells Ren that while the pathway to this healing planet may be hidden, there are systems which know the way. Ancient Sith texts mention a world of fire and brimstone, ruled by a being so cruel and evil, no Sith or Jedi could withstand his wrath. Darth Bane, the founder of the Rule of Two and basically the father of the new Sith Order, had discovered this location to the world of fire and brimstone by accident, approximately a millennia before the events of this story. Bane documented the, documented the way to the planet of fire and brimstone. It requires the need to fly to the very edge of charted space to the farthest reaches of the outermost rim. There, after several hours of hyperspace travel along a very specific route into the unknown, an anomaly can be found. The anomaly once interacted with will transport you across thousands of galaxies to a specific place called the Source Wall. Palpatine tells this to Ren, ordering him to make this journey. Find this planet of fire and brimstone, confront its people, locate whoever's in charge, and demand the location to this hidden healing system and discover its powers. 
Ren was ordered to map the way and transmit it back to the Dark Lord of the Sith so that he could make the journey once Ren locates it. Palpatine didn't tell men, <laughs> didn't tell Ren that every time Darth Bane had sent someone through this anomaly to confront this man to try and discover its powers, no one ever came back. Except for one person, Darth Bane himself. When he made the journey by accident, he was so badly damaged that when he eventually recovered, all he remembered was a massive being with horrid red eyes. Whatever power displaced Bane, he didn't know. He sent a bunch of people through, and like I said, no one ever returned. Uh, Ren assures Palpatine that he will not fail, and makes preparations to disembark. Obviously, because of the great distance between Exegol and wherever these, uh, over the thousands of galaxies, it's going to get be very difficult to transmit data from one place to the other, even given the technological advancements in the Star Wars universe. Ren has been instructed to lay tele I mean, uh, communication nodes scattered throughout his journey so that communication can be maintained with the Emperor at all times. He, he makes the journey, taking a few Stormtrooper battalions with him, and, you know, and he's off. Uh, after a few rotations, he approaches the anomaly and enters. When Kylo Ren and his forces emerge from the anomaly, the surrounding area is eerie. They're in space, they haven't touched down on any system, yet they're surrounded by massive statues made of stone. Appear to be of ancient beings unfamiliar to Ren or his crew. Ren takes the lead and begins to explore the surrounding area when he sees something in the distance approaching. It appears to be a man, colored blue, sitting on a chair that can fly. This being flies right in front of Ren's ship and the being speaks. He says, So my intellect does not deceive me. Source wall has once again been breached and wanderers from far and wide have entered this world. Who are you? says Ren. I am Metron, knower and seer of all, and I shall be the one gathering information on you. What is it that brings you to the Source Wall? Says Metron. I seek a system of fire and brimstone, mutters Ren. Metron's expression shifts. Ah, so you're looking for Apocalypse then. You should know, more than once have wanderers breached this Source Wall. More than once they found me and seeked the same system you do now. More than once I've told them where it can be found, but never once have I ever seen any of those poor wanderers ever again. Ren responds, I care not for your riddles and games, I care only for the way to this place. Metron, with a bit of a smirk on his face, says, If not only for my pure entertainment, I shall show you, but be warned, I will not intervene, I will only observe from a distance. Metron said, and at this he disembarks, Ren and company following. Later, the system approaches. The surface of this planet appears to be black. Large sinkholes cover the surface of this place, each one with exploding fire raging out of it. Metron stopped and gestured Ren to continue onward without him. He transmitted the coordinates to some large and magnificent-esque structure on the surface of the planet, presumably the headquarters of the one in charge. Kylo Ren and his battalion of stormtroopers landed on the planet of fire and brimstone, at the base of this magnificent structure. Ren stepped out first and his troops deploying behind him and getting into formation. He looked upon the structure with amazement. It was, it was across a river of fire and lava. He pulled some devices from his belt, threw them into the air. Machines turned into little drone droids which flew above the militia, and suddenly they began sputtering sounds. The Imperial March began to blare as Ren moved on, gesturing his troops to follow, marching in formation. He used the force to carve a large, massive stone from the ground beneath him, 
and use it to float across this river of lava. Now at the gates of the structure, he marched onward, when suddenly hundreds of insect-like creatures from the sky darted towards them. Troops fired upon these monsters, never once breaking formation as they marched. Occasionally, Ren would have to eliminate some if they got too close to his path. He would flick them out of the way, using but a small gesture of his fingers. Over the bridge and up the stairs to the door, Ren was about to attempt to open this door when it exploded open. Ren and his entire company went flying to the courtyard below. As troopers and Ren got their bearings and stood up again, they gazed upon a magnificent being. Must have been at least ten feet tall, if not taller. Standing perfectly upright, with his hands behind his back. Blue tunic and eyes redder than the sun, than any sun Ren had ever seen. This being nodded, and two beings flew from behind him. One a rather large and hairy-looking beast of a man, and the other an elderly woman with muscles that could probably flip an AT-AT. Ren used the force to throw these two away with ease, and gestured and made a gesture as if he was making an attempt on the man in charge. To Ren's surprise, it had no effect. No matter how much rage Ren drew from inside, he could not use the force to move this being. Then he spoke. With, the being spoke with a magnificent roar. You dare! You dare make any move on Darkseid and his people? Ren didn't know what to do about this. He was has never been in a situation where the force could not be used to move another. He puts his hands up and says, Enough, I come in peace with only questions. Darkseid's two minions recovered from Ren's attack and jumped between Ren and Darkseid. The woman spoke first, You will find no answers here, boy. And then the man spoke, Only death! Darkseid interrupts and says, Waste not. Then his eyes lit up a fiery and beautiful red. When the blast fired, suddenly a blast fired from Ren's eyes directed right at Kylo Ren, who quickly reacted by igniting his lightsaber. This is a power the lightsaber has never seen before, almost overwhelming. Instead of simply redirecting it like it would have if it was a blaster beam, the beam holds, shooting in various directions, pushing Ren backwards. Its destructive force multiplied and dispersed all over the courtyard. Darkseid was visibly shocked at this and spoke again. Impossible. No one has ever been able to withstand a blast from my Omega Beams before, let alone redirect them. I demand to know how you've acquired such power. Ren gets up after Darkseid ceased his attack. Where I come from, weapons of this caliber are plentiful. Darkseid asks, and where is it exactly that you are from? Ren responds, a galaxy far, far away. The elderly woman interrupts again. Enough of these games, Lord Darkseid. Just say the word and I will make quick work of this traveler. Darkseid looks at his disciple with disappointment. Silence, Granny. I shall hear the boy's questions. Answers, however, will depend on the nature of my mood. Darkseid and Ren spoke. In private. Ren told him of his master and his mission and explained that he has thousands of troops, resources, and weapons. This pleases Darkseid. Darkseid struck a deal with Ren. He would show him the way to Earth and who he can confront regarding healing waters, in exchange for weapon like Ren's upon his master's arrival. Ren agreed. He doesn't plan to linger in this system along, just enough to bring his master back and then he'll be off. It was of little concern to Ren what Darkseid does with these weapons, and given how far they are from home, he'll pose no threat to the Empire, or the First Order. Upon the agreement being made, Darkseid presented Ren with the coordinates to Earth and two special devices he called boom tubes. One was to be sent back with the troopers who will give it to Palpatine. Ren will take the other one to a planet to Earth, and when he arrives, he will find a place called Nanda Parbat and seek a man named Rachel Ghul, where he will find the healing waters that have eluded the Sith texts for all these years. 
All Ren has to do is place his boom tube and the Master will easily be able to traverse the vast distance in the galaxy and arrive on Earth to heal his broken body. As long as Darkseid gets his weapons, all Darkseid asks is the Emperor bring his wep Darkseid's weapons with him. Darkseid told Ren to go to Earth alone. The human race isn't aware of it, but they have their heroes. And these heroes will not look kindly on an invasion, or what is perceived as one. Instead, instead, Ren would have to go, would have to get to Earth another way, more discreet. S.H.I.E.L.D. will know if a ship enters their atmosphere. Darkseid told Ren there is a being in this galaxy who can make discreet visits to Earth, and he ushered Ren to follow him into his castle. Inside they went and down into the deepest crevices of this place, where there was a prison. On the lowest level of this prison, and behind many doors, was a cell. Darkseid approached it. Trickster! The time has come for you to pay your debt. I summon and demand of you a request. Scolded Darkseid. A man approached the door. Ah yes, finally, Lord Darkseid. I want nothing more than to clear your head of any wrongdoings I may have, uh, incited upon you. A voice said through the door. Darkseid turned to Kylo Ren. This fool can get you to Earth discreetly, but be warned, he's a trickster and a slippery one at that. Darkseid opened the door and a man with long black hair and green robes stepped out. Please, Lord Darkseid, I prefer to be called Loki. Names are not for thieves, now be silent. When you came to my planet and attempted to steal my mother boxes, the only reason I did not kill you was for reasons such as this. You helped me to secure weapons of mass destruction and nothing more. You are to take this man to see Ra's al Ghul, at which time your debt and sentence will be paid. Understood, Lord Darkseid, says Loki. Darkseid turned his gaze onto Ren, and you. A fate worse than debt awaits any who try to con Darkseid. Ren nodded and said understood. Be off now. In that cell you are shielded from your precious Allfather's eyes. And now I free you and make you visible once again, exclaimed Darkseid. Loki grabbed Ren and shouted, Heimdall! And at that a bright beam of light appeared out of nowhere and Loki and Ren were both gone. In what had to be mere seconds, Ren was somewhere else entirely. A spherical room made entirely of gold. This room was small and only had one door, leading out to a beautiful rainbow bridge. There was a man in the room alongside Ren and Loki. A man dressed in head-to-toe golden armor with gold eyes, and he looked very angry. Outsiders are not permitted here, Loki. I had no choice as I could not bring him here without you, but if he should take but one step outside of this room, he will be killed on sight. Loki approached the man. Relax, Heimdall. Send him to Earth, Nanda Parbat. He'll soon be Ra's al Ghul's problem. Ren looked confused about this. You're not coming? My brother just defeated the destroyer and will be headed here next. I must be ready, said Loki. You were told to take me to the healing waters, Ren said. And so I shall. Do it, Heimdall. At this, the room lit up a beautiful rainbow cosmic lightning, which emanated from the sword as Heimdall inserted it. A loud boom and Ren was gone. Good boy, Heimdall. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a family reunion to facilitate with my dear, banished brother. Ah, yes. I'm sure he just can't wait to get his hands on you, smirked Heimdall. Ren awoke yet again in an unfamiliar place. It was cold and dark, and in front of him was a structure, built carved into the side of the mountain. It was not lit, and at first glance, no one appeared to be home. Ren knew better than He could see in the distance the shadows dancing. I can sense you, he said. He walked forward and inside. It was quiet. Ren said, I do not fear you. He navigated the dark area with finesse and precision. Every so often a shadow would emerge out of the darkness and attempt to subdue him. Ren, who effortlessly evaded every move, he would simply wave his hand and the attacker would fly back into the shadows. Eventually he came to a room that was lit by a few candles. 
You cannot see the entire room, but it appeared to be a large hall, at the end of which was a magnificent chair. No one was sitting in it. Ren walked to the middle of this room and stood before the chair. Suddenly the room lit up fully. As the darkness was trickling backwards and replaced by light, it was revealed that Ren was surrounded by hundreds of soldiers. These soldiers were armed with swords and dressed in all black. A voice suddenly filled the hall. You should not have come here, stranger, for you were in the lair of the demon now. Ren lifted his hands and held them high in the air. He slowly began to close his fists. Every soldier was now about three feet off the ground, holding their throats. As Ren closed his grip further, the soldiers began to struggle less and less. Suddenly, he dropped all of them at once, and they laid on the floor motionless. Do not worry, they are not dead. I needed an audience with you, and interruptions cannot be tolerated, Ren said calmly. Why don't you show yourself, and we shall see who among us is the demon, he muttered again. Then little pellets started filling the floor with smoke around Ren, and a figure jumped out lunging at him, sword first. Sword ran right for Ren's helmet, which had absolutely no effect. The man stood there frozen and shocked. Impossible! said the man. Ren looked at him. He grabbed the sword and used the force to shatter it into several pieces, and then he aimed the now broken sword fragments at him, at the man. It is obvious you were the one in charge here. I find myself in need of these healing waters I've heard so much about, said Ren. The man looked confused. The Lazarus Pit? Why? You appear to be in optimal condition, asked the man. It is not for me, but for my master, and you will take me to this pit. This comment angered the man. I am Ra's al Ghul, the demon's head and leader of the League of Assassins. I will not be commanded by anyone, said Raish. Ren flicked his finger, sending the broken pieces of the sword into Raish's body, each one striking a non-vital area. This caused Raish to scream in pain. Then he made some more hand movements. Ren's body, Raish's body became stiff and rigid. It fell to the floor and was pulled closer to Ren. Ren pulled Raish all the way up to him and then sent him flying behind him into the wall. And he spoke again. Arguing is futile. You will take me to this pit. I will summon my master, and he will be restored. Raish held his head hung. Raish held his head low. He was covered in blood. Yes, fine, he said. Good. I shall send word right away. Ren activated his boom tube. Stormtroopers held the other one, which would now reveal an indicator light marking Ren was ready for them to come through. He knew it would be several hours, if not ro whole rotations, before the troopers would make it back to Exwell. But when they did, the time would come. In the meantime, Ren was a guest of the League of Assassins while he waited. Many of the Assassins feared him. He mostly sat around meditating, and Raish was always keeping a close eye. Finally, the hour came. The light on Ren's boom tube lit, signaling a bridge was about to be made. Ren ran to a nearby courtyard and threw the tube to the ground. It lit all up. Little flashes of lightning surrounded it, and levitated began to expand, and suddenly a large rift appeared where the tube once was. Out of it stepped Praetorian Sith Troopers, the highest and most dangerous rank of trooper in the entire First Order and Empire armies. Twenty Praetorian Troopers emerged. Some held, some had crates with them. Presumably, these were the uh, presumably the troopers told Palpatine of the weapons promised to Darkseid for aiding him, and this is what will be in those crates. Finally, behind the Praetorian guards came Palpatine's personal med medical crew, and with him, in it, a special back to tank, falling behind. The Emperor looked worse than he ever had before. At this sight, Ren looked at Raish and, and screamed, To the pit now, he said. Raish nodded and gestured everybody to follow. A carve in the mountain with some stairs leading downward and lit only by torchlight was the sight Ren is now seeing. Down they went until they entered a small cave. The cave had a few torches in it, a space to derobe and set down gear. The floor was mostly covered by this pool f full of green bubbling liquid. 
The liquid glowed and an unsettling warmth could be felt from its surface. Excellent, Ren said. Troopers surrounded the pit. The medical crew brought the tank to the edge of the pit and opened it. The Emperor had all his pipes and devices pulled from his body. His air mask removed and he was dropped into the pit. Raish felt somewhat uneasy about this. Something just felt really off to him, but he had no choice but to sit back and watch. He was not in a position to overthrow these, these invaders. The water bubbled and glowed, and after what ended up being a few minutes, big sparks of electricity shot from the pit. The, car, the cave shook violently, and Palpatine emerged from the water slowly, looking better than ever than he ever had before, and with a big, sinister smile on his face. His eyes were no longer yellow, but green. Master, Ren said as he kneeled. Palpatine looked at his disciple. I have never felt power like this before. His hands lit up with lightning running around the fingertips, but for some reason this time they were green. His bolts of lightning were green, not the traditional white. Palpatine looked at Ren and held his hands up high and screamed, UNLIMITED POWER! Massive bolts and streams of lightning flew from his hands at the cave ceiling, more lightning than Ren or any of the troopers had ever seen. This display of power was so incredible that the lightning traveled through the mountain itself from the base where they were stationed all the way to the peak of the mountain where it then shot up to the sky causing clouds to form and rain to fall when palpatine concluded his newfound display of power he looked at ren and said you have done well my apprentice i am seeing things more clear than i ever have before ren still kneeling asked what is it you see master palpatine looked up with the biggest smile on his face almost sinister in nature. And he responded, I see a way to snuff out the light forever. And then he began laughing maniacally. This is where chapter one ends. <laughs> I had to go with the cliffhanger, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I really, really, really hope you liked this first part. Um, I'm really excited to tell this story. I know it sounds like a lot of moving parts and it's a little overwhelming and and maybe it feels like there were kind of a lot of characters introduced all at once in different worlds and there's a lot of questions, but bear with me. Uh, I promise I think you're really going to like this. Uh, I'm excited to tell it. I'm, ex you know, so uh, part two will be coming out shortly. A little teaser for you. I'm calling it Fury's Big Week. Um, <laughs> so we're going to get our first glimpse of what the heroes are doing. Uh, yeah, and I can't wait to talk to you guys again. See you soon.